Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Carlos, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Evergreen. And if you are joining us uh, for the first time or in a long time, you're coming into a fresh season. Uh, we're calling it Chapter 32. And in this fresh season, we've made this decision that we are going to be um, anchor, or we're going to be talking about the promises that God has given us. God's promises. And so as many are eager to sail into this new season, we've decided as leadership that it's better to anchor before we continue. And so I hope that you've been enjoying the conversations that have happened. If you have been missing it, I want to offer a quick recap. Uh, week one, uh, we got to talk about how God's promises are unique in the fact that they are promises that can't be broken. We were reminded that if God has said it, he is faithful to complete it. And it is most evident in one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Because there was this beautiful verse that we got to reflect on, and that's this. All God's promises are yes in Christ. He is the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate proof that God is faithful Jesus Christ, look no further. And the following week, we gathered and we had the pleasure of being installed, and then we ate pupusas. And that essentially sums up that week. <laughs> but after that, uh, Ilsian uh, delivered a wonderful, thoughtful message on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And my notes read that uh, the promise is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, and it does us well to relate to think about him as such and to consider his personality. One of the descriptors of the Holy Spirit, Ilsian reminded us, was that of helper. And that was the Alexa reference, right? Because we're all used to Alexa running our lives. But can we tell you that there's someone that is better? And that's the Holy Spirit. Doesn't depend on Wi-Fi. How amazing is that? Also, uh, Ilsian reminded us through the power of the Holy Spirit working through her that this promise also comes with power that everyone who says yes to Jesus receives the Holy Spirit now is qualified, empowered to witness, to share the good news, the good things that Jesus has done for us. So those were my notes. I'm eager to copy off of yours. Right? So with this week, uh, by the way, if you missed any of that, you should know that any of our messages are found on our website, ecc4.org. You can watch those messages on the Evergreen Christian Center YouTube. You can listen to those messages on our podcast. And if you are on our social media pages, don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe. Leave a comment and share, right? At least that's what the cool YouTube influencers always say. So I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying up here. We just believe that by doing that gesture, uh, you're helping us uh, be able to expand our reach and allow others to hear about the good things that God is doing through Evergreen. So how many of you are all about that? Amen? Yes. And if you're watching online, we encourage you. You're in the right place to do that. And so can I, before we share this message... Can I tell you about next week? Well, next week, friends, we have the very first ever Evergreen Boomeranger of Chapter 32. 
we are going to have Pastor Elizabeth Sachik from V4 Square 4 and CIC smiles because that's the impact that she has on us. So if you don't know Pastor Elizabeth, we invite you to come back next week because she's going to deliver the message. And if you're not happy with my message, I guarantee you hers is going to be amazing. So come back next week to hear that, huh? So with today, uh, I had a driving question, this thought that I, I wanted to explore, and it was this. What are the promises that God has made specifically to the church? Everyone say church. Yes, I love that. You got to put that shh at the end, right? <laughs> All right. So when, whenever I, I just want to give you a, an insider of my method of exploration. Whenever I'm going to uh, explore a topic, my go-to, my default is I go right to Jesus. No matter what the topic is, I first go to Jesus because I want to, and I know many of you as well, we want to reflect, read, and respond to anything Jesus ever said, taught, or modeled. I have found that this approach lends itself to give me the greatest amount of peace and clarity in being able to hold on to the things that matter most in life. I find that Jesus is the most credible source. And so that journey has worked well with me. And so how about you? Where do you go for life's biggest questions? I invite you, if you haven't, to try Jesus. And so that question of what has God promised the church really takes a focus. It really, it really took a focus to this what did, what did Jesus say about the church? What did Jesus say about the church? And so in my exploration, I was, um, I was actually, I did not know this. I, I, I was surprised to learn that Jesus only said the word church three times. Tres veces. Now, we know that um, the, the, the concept of church is all over the Bible. We know that Jesus gave other metaphors of the church. We know that the New Testament is full of them. And so I offer up these descriptors of salt and light, body, temple, holy priesthood, nation, family, flock, bride. We have plenty of information about the church, but literal word church, which we will dive into the Greek word a little bit, Jesus only said three times. And all of them can be found in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And two of those three are in Matthew 18 in the same story, almost in the kind of same string of thought. He uses the word church twice. And so the third one is the one we'll be looking at today, which is found in Matthew 16. And so that's where we're going to be landing in Matthew 16. But before we go there, I just want to um, consider um, <clears throat> that uh, when Jesus used this word church, I imagine he had a very different church experience as most of us think about church. Now, go with me on this playful journey. I mean, think about it. Jesus, as far as we know, he never gathered specifically a launch team. He never really drafted a cool mission statement like church planners would. As far as I know, I don't read that Jesus had to lease a building. He never had to consider stage lighting 
and stage design. Jesus, um, he, didn't, he didn't end his sermons with, hey, I invite you back next week to the 915 service. Make sure you enjoy some time of fellowship in the foyer. I don't read Jesus having that church experience. You know, I don't read Jesus having to make a pitch for fall small groups. Which, by the way, are you making time in your calendar? Because they're coming. Jesus, he never had the pleasure of having to move church chairs. Get this, get this. This is a good one. Jesus never hosted Kids Summer Jam. But could you imagine if he did? Jesus would be like, forget this rock wall, kids. We're running on water today. Come on in. And could you imagine having that and being the guy next to Jesus having to run the other activity? I mean, you're going to get no love. I mean, Jesus is hogging up all the kids. And so Jesus had a much different experience. And the last one, I, I just have to share this. And this one's for Brian who manages wonderfully our facilities. facilities. Can we make some noise for Brian? If you don't know Brian, he's been here a long time. But this one's for you, Brian. Jesus, he never had to clean up confetti from Ann's poppers. How amazing is that? Brian, you would love Jesus' church. Man. And so Jesus, he, he didn't do all these things that many associate today with church. However, this is what we do know. We know that Jesus, he gathered with people like we are right now. We know that he gathered with a few. We know that he gathered with many, thousands even. We know that some of these crowds were so big that he had to back up and deliver his sermon from a boat. We know that Jesus had many settings where he delivered teaching, some where he walked and taught others where he dined and taught. We know that Jesus made time for one-on-ones. He met with people at, at public spaces like whales, and he also went to private spaces where he had dinner with intimate friends. We know that at one point, Jesus actually kept the party going when they ran out of beverages. So we have these examples of Jesus doing church-like things. And so we know that Jesus had not only a few followers who did at moments deny him and abandon him, but eventually they figured it out. And eventually these followers began to gather. And for three intense years, we know that he did life with these men and women. And now those few grow to millions today. And so maybe we could say that once Jesus had a couple of consistent followers, Jesus had a church. Does that make sense? Well, enough of my rambling. We should read the Bible, shouldn't we? So let's go to Matthew 16. We're going to read verses 13 through 20. This is one of three incidents where Jesus uses the word church. So let's see what he says. It says this. When Jesus came to the region, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? I just want to take a pause there because I have learned that the, the, the answer to this question is 
of significance. I would say it is the most significant. There are a lot of questions that we have to find answers to, but this one of who do we think Jesus is, is of most significant. I love the moment here. I love that Jesus starts big. I love that he's asking, what, what are people saying about this son of man? And I love that he turns it intimate. And I wasn't there. I wasn't in this moment. And so I'm projecting some thoughts, but I have to imagine there was a pause. I have to imagine that the disciples had to take a moment to consider what would come out of their mouth. Because this was significant, because Jesus wanted to know not what popular opinion was. Jesus wanted to know, well, what about you? Who am I to you? And out of this, I would say, intense moment, it's this man that we know as Simon Peter who steps out and speaks first. And what does he say? He says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Wow. And the mood shifts, I think. Excitement. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Everyone say, what a moment. What a moment. I want to unpack just essentially my, my notes here. One of the things that's been modeled uh, for, for, for some time here at Evergreen is the concept of SOAP. It's a study. It's one of many Bible study tools. It's scripture. It's observation. It's application. It's prayer. We love to do it here at Evergreen. And so we just read scripture. So can I just share some observations with you? So these are my observations. The first one is that the, the first time that uh, my understanding of Jesus using the word church comes after Peter's declaration of faith as him, uh, not only as a great teacher or, 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 or a great rabbi, he is saying, no, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the one that the nation of Israel has been waiting for. You are the Messiah. More than that... You are the son of God. What does that mean? Peter is saying you are deity. You are deity. You are the son of God. You are not just regular man. And so it is in this declaration of faith that we see Jesus now say, hey, church. Church is about to happen. And so um, Jesus, he does something that's, that's important. He points so who revealed this insider knowledge? And I sum it up as this. We have a moment where Jesus is saying, God has just revealed something about God. And it makes me think that um, it is the significant things that we know about God that cannot be learned through our own wisdom. They cannot be Googled. You can't go to uh, yell for it, right? There's just no man effort that allows you to know certain things about God. They must be reveal revealed. 
And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, God told you that. God showed you that. God just opened your spiritual eyes. Peter, you are blessed. Humanity, you are blessed. God has chosen to reveal himself. We could not have found him on our own. Isn't that incredible? The next thing is we see that Jesus changes his name, which for anyone who's ever had to change their name, like you got to go and change your birth certificate, you got to, right, those of us who've changed their name, Ilsian was, she was complaining the whole time we got married. I was like, are you even happy? I mean, this should be happy, right? But but uh, Jesus, he, 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 he changes his name, and, and, um, and it's, it's significant. I, I want to I think that it has to do with, with his purpose, right? This, just, so, just so you know, he says, you are Peter. So his birth name is Jonah, uh, Simon, son of Jonah. Now, let me ask you this. If someone stopped you in the street and, you, and they said, hey, have you heard of Simon, son of Jonah in the Bible? What would you say? Well, the Bible nerds in the room would be like, yeah. But those of us who haven't made that much time for studying, we would say, Simon, son of Jonah? I, I don't think so. I've heard of Jonah. I've heard of some Simon. Simon, who's that? But then if someone, that same person, stops you in the street and they say, hey, have you heard of Peter in the Bible? Oh, yeah. Grew up learning about Peter. Peter, man, like so many illustrations about Peter. Peter was a wild guy. I know Peter. Why do I say that? Because Jesus, he changed this, name, this man's name almost to, to begin to, to, to uh, put him on the course of his destiny, his purpose, that he would be the rock. And there's different interpretations of what Jesus says you shall be called Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There's been different conclusions as to what exactly that second rock means. I'll offer you the three that have come up. The first one is simply that the rock that Jesus is building his church on is the work of salvation of Jesus Christ done on the cross. Jesus is the rock. That's solid, right? Everything comes from him. The, uh, the, the second uh, uh, thought of what the rock means or what Jesus is talking about the rock is that, um, hmm, is that Peter, who is also called the rock because Peter means rock, is that Peter was, he was the leader of the church. That, that, that God would use Peter as the, the first leader, and we know that, G, that Peter is the one that speaks up in the day of Pentecost, and we know that in the, the Catholic tradition, Peter is known as the first pope, and so it's, it's this man that God has purposed to be this leader of the church, and one of the ways to describe that is rock. And then the third one, the one that I really like, is that the rock actually has nothing to do with those things, but it has to do with the statement that Peter just made. And that's the statement that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. And that statement, that belief, that foundation is what makes the church distinct. We are the people that have this audacious claim that we believe that this man was the Son of God and we have placed our faith in him and that is the rock of the church, our faith, that declaration of faith. Does that make sense? 
I kind of went on a tangent there. Um, but I do want to make my last observation, and that's this. Upon hearing the right answer that, that Peter gives, Jesus, he seems to be excited. He seems to get passionate. It's almost like he just leans into the moment. And for those of us who were here week one, um, we know that what happens when we have big emotions. Does anyone remember? I do, because I spoke that week. <laughs> when we have big emotions, we make big promises. We make big declarations, big promises, right? Like, I'm on top of the world, right? That. And it seems like Jesus makes a big promise, and so that's what we're going to look at really today. It says that Jesus, he makes this promise. He makes this promise, and I want to sum it up in three words, and it's this. To build his church. Build his church. It made me think of move that bus. Build his church. So let's look at those three words. The first word is build and Jesus' promise, build. Now, um, some of you who, who are, are observers of the landscape, you've noticed that there's some construction happening here. You notice that? Yeah. So um, I want to point your direction north. There is construction that's happening north that is significant that we should all know about. And that is that right over here in this property just north of us, we're getting new neighbors, and that what's being built is a church. Yeah. We've known this for some time. Um, it's, an, it's not a secret. We actually know the name of the church. It's Corridor Baptist Church. Everyone say Corridor Baptist Church. Yeah. And so um, this situation this week got me thinking about this. It got me thinking, how does Chick-fil-A feel when In-N-Out decides to build next door. <laughs> you guys familiar with those restaurants? Yeah. If you haven't, that's your homework this week. <clears throat> so how does Chick-fil-A feel when they are getting their neighbors in and out? Does, does Chick-fil-A look and say, man, that would have been an amazing lot for a Verizon store? Or does Chick-fil-A say, you know what, maybe we, ne we need to add some animal-style fries to our menu. <laughs> does Chick-fil-A think that way? I've never worked for Chick-fil-A. I don't know the CEO, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that Chick-fil-A knows this, that you can build an In-N-Out and a Burgerville and a Taco Bell on every corner of the city, and we will not be able to satisf satisfy man's hunger. Chick-fil-A knows that the more restaurants that are built means that there's going to be more hungry people coming our way. And so we know that there can't be enough churches in our county, in our state, to satisfy the spiritual hunger that exists of a man, a human being that has been separated and is now seeking God. There can't be enough churches to satisfy that. And so you might be wondering, how do, does Evergreen's new leadership feel about getting a church next door? Well, don't be surprised. 
if one of these days you're driving by Glencoe and I have a hard hat and I'm just helping them shovel. Let's build this thing, right? And so the church or the churches, they're not in competition when it comes to expanding the kingdom of God. The churches are in the business of cheering each other on. And so our response to our new neighbors is build your church, Corridor Baptist, and let us know how we can be of service. I want us to see a video of an exciting development of some friends. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about it uh, later. So let's just watch this quick video. I arrived a little early today to record this video. Um, super excited about what's happening today. Today we're going to be starting the demo process of getting ready for the renovations in our new building for Kingship. And I know that starting a church is, is more than um, a building. It's more than, you know, creating a church space. But today, I think for so many people, what's so exciting today is that we, what we've been hoping and uh, praying for is we're physically seeing the expansion of the kingdom today, that there is another place that will testify of the good news of Jesus. And it's, it's taking permanent residency here in, in Hillsborough. And that's where our heart is. And as much as we want to like race to that part and see flocks of people coming to hear and, and believe in Jesus, right now God has us in a season of building. And we shouldn't take that for granted. So pray for us today. Super excited. Gentleman was, he is Rick Terletsky, and him and his wife, Michelle, were actually part of the Evergreen community for a year. They were in transition in church planning, so Jared and Ann invited them to come. And not only were they invited to have this time of just thinking and dreaming and seeking the Lord, but we actually, as a church a year ago, sent them out. And so Kingship, they are part of us. And so to see that they are now demoing their new building just builds excitement. And I love what Rick said. He says, we are seeing the manifestation, like the... The actual, like we can see it, we can touch it, we can hold it. The actual manifestation of God's kingdom being expanded here in the city. And so how does Evergreen feel about these new churches, these new buildings? We bless them. We cheer them on. And, I, and, and earlier this week, I was watching the, our friends at Dwell. They had an outdoor worship service, and they were having, they were having baptism just like we will on August 14th. And, and I was just celebrating the fact because when someone gets baptized, that's another manifestation of God's kingdom being expanded and built. And so I want to take a moment right now, and I want to pray. I want to pray for Corridor Baptist Church. I want to pray uh, for kingship. I want to pray for dwell because we want to be cheers of them. So, Father, we extend our hands in both directions as representative of where you're building new churches. And we pray blessings. We pray blessings over our brothers and sisters at Corridor Baptist Church. As they have their, their, uh, their drilling, their, their well, 
uh, their equipment, their plans are early on, would you keep their plans blessed? Would you keep their project timeline exactly as you would have it? Would you continue to provide for that project? Would you continue to give vision for that church? Would you continue to grow that church and bless that church and its community, Father? And we pray that it would be a church that would be planted a long time, just like Evergreen, Lord, that your will would be done, Lord. And we pray and we thank you for kingship and their new building as they, as they are demoing, Lord. I pray that that would just be uh, such a celebration. I know it's been a hard uh, a hard journey even to get to this place, even to get the permits, Lord. And we pray that that, that community, church, Lord, that church would be so excited about what you're doing, Lord. And we know, we know that Hillsborough and Washington County is in a better place to serve when we have God-centered, Christ-centered churches existing. And we bless, dwell, Lord, and we thank you that we get to be in relationship with these churches. We celebrate them in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that awesome? We're just seeing God growing things. And uh, the next thing I want to share is build his. So let's talk about his because there's a, a quote that I want to share with you that says this. When Jesus said, and on this rock I will build my church, he placed the emphasis not on the word church but on the word my. Hear this. The church is unique not because it is called the church, but because it is the assembly of believers who belong to Jesus, who constitute his body. And so what is so significant in this statement? What is so significant about my? Well, I want to I say this morning that it's significant because it's one way that Jesus has made it clear that he associates himself with us. Everyone say me. The church, right? He associates himself with the church. And it made me think of my experience, of my family. And so many of you know uh, Charlie Jor. We're going we're gonna to throw a picture up there because any chance I get, I'm going to throw a picture up. Why? Because um, Charlie Joy is uh, part of the family. And, um, you know, prior to Charlie Joy, it was two. And everywhere we went and met people, I was sure to introduce my wife because obviously I'm so blessed to be married to her. But this new recent experience, experience of fatherhood brings up this experience when people come and meet my family. I say, this is my wife, Ilsian, and this is Charlie Joy. <laughs> this is Charlie Joy. And guess what? She's my daughter. I am her father. I do not hesitate. I, I do not waste a moment to make sure that person or those people know that I associate with my daughter. I make claims to my daughter. And this is what I think Jesus is doing for us. I believe that Jesus is saying, I claim you, church. Not only, uh, I'm doing more than just building. I am, I am I'm putting my stamp on you. I am, I am putting myself, you know, when you change your, your Facebook profile and say in, re, in a relationship with, that's significant, isn't it? When you tag your, your significant other's profile, right? And so in a spiritual way, in a heavenly way, Jesus is saying, you are my church. I claim you. Isn't that amazing? 
And so it made me think, if we can just go back to that picture of Charlie Joy, because this picture was actually sent um, in one of Charlie Joy's uh, daycare days. It was art day. And as you can see, she's, she's smearing some paint there. She's having a blast. She loves the smear paint. Well, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I'm discovering is Charlie uh, Joy has many gifts, and one of her gifts is the gift of producing boogers, the <laughs> gift of producing snot. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a sensitive stomach, plug your ears. <laughs> because Charlie Joy, man, she can produce some snot. And so as Charlie Joy is developing agency, right, she's growing up, she's 20 months now, she's starting to be more independent. And so, um, of course, Ilse and I, the moment we see the snot, especially when it's like, it's already getting like past six inches, like you got to do something. <laughs> we grab the wipes, we grab what we can, and we're going to, we go and offer to, to, to remove the snot. Well, Charlie Joy, man, she's like, nah, dad, nah, I got this. And so what does she do? She proceeds to take her palm and just smear the snot all over her face. And she's really creative with it. It doesn't stay just on the face. I mean, she's, she's pretty incredible. This is my daughter. This is my daughter. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, this happens all the time, and it happens when we're in public. And let me tell you, if it's a moment where I'm introducing Charlie Joy, and she has snot on her face, what do you think I do? Hey, this is my daughter. I'm her father. This is Charlie Joy. Look at her snot. Isn't that creative? <laughs> She's going to be an artist one day, I'll tell you. See, what I'm trying to say is that doesn't, that doesn't change my association with her. I'm still proud of her. I still claim her. I still own her. I still, I still relate to her. And I bring this up to say is that sometimes the church has way more problems than snot. Because you and I know that the church can be messy because the church is made up of people. And people, we, we, we smell and we stink and we have snot and we do things that are regrettable. We do things that are shameful. And yet, here's the beauty in this, in this statement of Jesus saying, I will build my church. He's saying, hey, there's nothing you can do that's going to disassociate myself from claiming you. Jesus still, uh, in, in, in full view of our junk, in full view of our sin, he still says, you are my church. In the same, in, in a, ten, a thousandfold times more joy and, 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 and unconditional love than, than my love for my daughter, it is God, it is Jesus, the son of God, saying, I associate with you regardless of your snot, regardless of your messiness. Isn't that incredible? And so the last word is Church. And I already shared about Jesus' church experience, so I want to just really dive into the good stuff because my hope today is that we would leave here with a, 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 um, a reminder of the significance of this thing that we call church. Uh, because when Jesus said church, he didn't think about the buildings and the programs and the denominations, all things which are good we, and we celebrate. But what Jesus was talking about, he was talking about these living vessels that he would deposit his Holy Spirit in. The, 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 the words that I discovered this week, that he would rest and rule. When Jesus thought of church, he thought of the, 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 the individuals that would turn from living life their own way and consider the way of Jesus, making a 180. The, the term we use is repentance, that people would repent that we would see our snot and say, you know what, I'm undeserving of love, but Jesus still loves me, and I'm going to choose 
to place my faith in him. And every single one of those people with the power of the Holy Spirit then becomes the church. And so I want to offer this definition um, of church. I want us to think of church as the people of God who've received the presence of God to fulfill the purpose of God. God's people in God's presence doing his purpose. I mean, how incredible would it be that you and I, every week, we say, hey, I am going to gather with God's people. I'm going to do life with God's people. I'm going to care for God's people because with his people is his presence. And we get to fulfill his purpose. That's church. That's what we get to be a part of. And, and, and that could look different. It could look like big gatherings, mid-sized gatherings, gatherings in homes, gathering outdoors. We're, we're not married. We're, we're, I heard the term this, put it this way. We are dating the method, but we're married to the mission. What matters is this great commission of loving God and loving others to help them Find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. That is our purpose. And so we get to journey together. And so I want to just encourage you with a a couple of final thoughts. And that's this, that we should feel the same way about church as Jesus did. When you and I, when we think of church, we should put aside our Our limited view, we should look to Jesus and say, man, how did Jesus feel about church? Well, in Ephesians 5, uh, 25, it says this. It says, Christ also loved the church. That's how Jesus felt about it. Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself up for it. And so it's simple. Jesus literally died for the church. And it just made me think of our language, right? So some of us, we're going to leave here today and it's going to be hot. We're going to experience the heat wave this week and we're going to say, oh, I'm dying of heat. Or we're going to say this, I would die for some salt and straw, right? Or I would die for, uh, you know, some, uh, a foot massage. When you hear someone talk like that, say, no, you won't. That's not true. You're not going to die for ice cream, right? Well, Jesus, his love moved him from his residence in heaven to earth to die. He gave himself up. So, so what more do we need to know about how Jesus feels, the, feels about the church? He died for the church. And why do I bring this up? Because um, some of us have gone into, um, well, it's, I shouldn't say some of us, I should say we, we, um, all of us, we, we, we can fall into the mistake of seeing the, the mess of the church, seeing the corruption of the church, seeing the, 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 uh, the, the, the failures of the church, and canceling the church. Cancellation. And I'm all for accountability. I'm all for re- repentance. I, I believe that the, 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 the church in the West is the only church I know. I believe that we have some repenting to do. But cancellation, did Jesus cancel the church? Uh, no, absolutely. He rescued it. He redeemed it. And so we should, we should have these high views of church to where 
loving Jesus means loving the church. And, and we, could, we could fall on the other side of that and just have such a high regard of, of, of church and specifically leaders of the church and, and, and hold them above reproach and be defenders of these leaders that God has appointed. And when that happens is we have this high view of, of these leaders and then they fail us. And then we're crushed. And we go into this deconstruction and, and I feel like both lead to error. But this balanced approach of saying, hey, the church is made up of messy people, but Jesus died and loved for the church. So you know what? I'm going to be committed to the church because guess what? The church is me. I am the church. Who am I to cancel myself? So I want to encourage us to think that way about the church. And the final point I want to make is in this promise, we put our trust, we put our faith and our hope in who's doing the building. And so we want to trust the builder. So Ilsa and I have, have the, the honor of now creating this home, and um, there are so many things that I want to do to, to the house, and there are some projects that I may take on. But we all know, right, those of us who have taken on home projects, there's some that better left to the experts, right? <laughs> some of us have learned through experience. <laughs> we, we just we go to the expert, and Jesus, he's the expert of building the church. And so in this new season, um, we're going to be really wise and smart and, and pray and fast and seek the Lord in his direction. We're, we're going to consider our programming. We're going to consider everything we do because that's, that's what good stewardship does. But there is nothing that we are going to place our hope in in our efforts. Like we, we are not going to want to have growth that is a result of man. We want, to, we, we want to believe that the building that's happening at Evergreen is truly being led by the builder, Jesus Christ. We're going to trust him as the architect. Why? Because when Jesus built, uh, it, it lasts forever, literally. It lasts forever. And so here we are at a 90-year-plus church, and I believe that for the last 90 years, Jesus has been building. And if he wants to continue to build here, he'll continue to build here, and we're going to trust that he is the one doing the work. And so when we uh, discourage you, when we let you down, right, when I, I should say I, when I let you down, I hope that your eyes are focused on Jesus and trust that he's going to make all things work out for the good. And I hope that you can even pre-program some grace and forgiveness in your heart for me. And I'll do the same for you. And so I want to invite you in this season to trust the builder. And I want to end with this as we, as we get ready to close up with a song. Not only are we as a church trusting Jesus, I want to invite those who have never made this faith declaration that Peter made. And that's that Jesus is the Son of God. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and, and give us a moment. If you are someone that is watching online or someone who's walked in here and you have never said, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to trust you to be the builder of my life. I want you to know that that is God's desire for you, for you to place your 
eternal hope in him today. And I don't know how it happens. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know all the details, but there's something that happens when someone just simply says, Jesus, I need you. I repent of my sins. I choose to make you Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you today, then pray that prayer with me. And just know that not only do you have to do this alone, you are now in a community that wants to do life with you. And so if there's anyone in the room or online that wants to make Jesus their Lord and Savior, you can, you can raise your hand. God knows it before you raise your hand, but we want to just pray for you. We want to walk with you. So if there's anyone that wants to make that decision today, you have the invitation. So Father, we pray. Because Jesus has allowed us to pray in confidence that you are a God of rescue. You are a God who associates yourself with humanity. You have made promises to us, Lord, and this promise of salvation is for us. And I pray for anyone in the room, anyone watching online, whether now or later on in your divine timing, if they want to choose you, I pray, Lord that the Holy Spirit would move them to say yes. And that they would experience your grace, that they would experience the presence of your person, the Holy Spirit, that they would be empowered to walk in your ways every day of their lives. And Father, we pray for Evergreen. Would you continue to build? Would you continue to toil the soil necessary so that when the rain pours down, we are ready to harvest, Lord. And that that harvesting would be so great that we would not have room for the, the things that you want to do, Father. The, the lives you want to change, the glory you want to get through us, Lord. We are your servants. We are your co-laborers. We, 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 we follow you. So, Father, would you prepare our hearts for what you want to do. Move as you want to move. We empty ourselves of our plans, our desires, our wishes, and we pick up our cross and we follow you today. We thank you that that is our greatest privilege in life. We pray all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.